Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome back to the Everything New York Giants podcast. I am your host, Adriana, also known as New York Giants Fangirl on Instagram and TikTok. And we have, for the fourth week in a row, a winning podcast because the New York Giants beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in Florida 23-17. to And it was a game. There's a lot to talk about, good things and bad things, as per usual. But overall, you know, this is a gritty team that fights until the end. And after the most stressful minute on the clock in probably every Giants fan's life, they pulled it out with the win. So let's cover off. As always, we're going to start with the offense. Only understanding that. You can't blame everything on Jones, number one. And number two, look at the type of quarterback that Jones can be when he has people around him. And this is the type of thing that I have wanted to see from Jones is if we get the O-line, if we get the receivers, and if we have a run game, what is the ceiling for him? What's the potential? And this is the first time this year that we're actually seeing it. And I have felt I have said many times that I feel bad for Jones and what he's dealt with, but I am so happy that he is finally getting the credit that he deserves and he's showing everyone, myself included, the type of quarterback that he could be. And he has potential. And we've seen that week in and week out, he's gotten better. He was accurate yesterday. He made great throws. He ran the ball. He took the team on his back and said, if you can't catch the ball, then I'm going to run it and I'm going to do what I have to do to score points. And that's what you want in a quarterback. So him and Barkley, as we go into the rushing yards a little bit here, both ran for over 100 yards. Now, this is the first time this season for Jacksonville that they have given up 100 yards rushing to more than one person. And we know going into this game that Jacksonville was the third team in run defense. So we knew that they it was going to be hard to run the ball on them. You know, obviously the run game is a huge portion of the Giants offensive success. So it's not like we were going to go in and not run the ball. But obviously, when you see things like that, you figure, well, we have to switch it up and we have to be able to pass the ball. Now, if the receivers could catch the ball, I think that we would have seen a lot more passing than we did. But still, 30 attempts, I believe, is the most we've seen from Jones this year. Very likely that that's the case. And, you know, some of the receivers just let him down. And it is what it is. I do think that there's going to be some sort of change, maybe a trade or something for a wide receiver. I think that... Jones deserves the opportunity to fully show his potential this year if he has a number one wide receiver. And I understand where Dable and Shane are coming from when they say, you know, we have uh, we have other wide receivers in the building. One of them who was a first round draft pick who should be wide receiver number one. But I just think at this point when he's already been out for four weeks you can't rely on him to come back anytime soon and be Jones's number one. And aside from that, when Tony played before he got injured, he didn't even play all the snaps. So, you know, I think part of it was a pitch count, which we saw with Wandale. 
he didn't play 100% last week, but this week he played most of the snaps and he probably would have played even more if he didn't have the little nut shot that he had (laughs) at some point during the game. But he came back in after that and a great game for Wandale. We'll get into that in a minute. But I want to talk about the rushing again for a second because one thing that I was surprised by is that we didn't see Gary Brightwell and he has been having a pretty good season for the Giants and I, you know, having seen Brita being thrown in the mix, I expected that we would have seen Brightwell a little bit. So I was a little surprised by that. But I do think that maybe we'll see him more next week. I'm a big fan of Brightwell, so I would like to see him involved more in the mix. But when you've got your quarterback as one of your leading rushers, maybe you don't need Gary Brightwell. So Saquon led the rushing leaders, of course, for 24 carries for 110 yards. Jones was right behind him, 11 carries for 107 yards. And his longest was 24 and also had the touchdown. Um, Last up, Matt Breida had four carries for 19 yards and his longest was six. So overall, great day for the offense. Maybe not entirely for the offense. They went one for five in the red zone, which obviously they need to be better about that. But there are some good stats coming out of the offense. Now, the first thing is what I just mentioned. The um, rushing attack was very successful. Jones's 11 carries for 107 rushing yards is a career high for him. And, you know, us being able to have two different rushers get over 100 yards against Jacksonville is wildly impressive. So great day for the run game. Obviously needed to see more out of the passing game, but still we're seeing success with the run. My favorite thing about Dable and Kafka is that when something's working, they continue it. They don't decide, oh, in the second half, we're going to completely step away from everything that we did that was working. They made adjustments and they improved. One other thing we need to talk about with the offense before we get into the receivers is that they actually went out and scored in the first quarter. And that's what I was looking for from this team. I want to see them do it more consistently. But the fact that they came out and have that beautiful drive straight down the field that ended with seven points is what this offense needs to do continually. So again, improving every week, that is the storyline week in and week out, is every week this team gets a little bit better. A couple other things on the offense is they didn't have any three and outs. The shortest drive they had was five plays, and they did a great job converting third downs. So again, this is the stuff we want to see from this offense. It's stuff that was lacking in the past, and this is the stuff that is going to help them win games. This and, of course, the defense playing at the level that they've been playing. All right, let's move along to the receivers. So going into this week, we talked a lot about passing the ball and expecting more from that from Kafka and the offense. Darius Slayton was right there leading the receivers, three receptions for 58 yards with one touchdown. And of course, that was the longest one. That was the 32-yarder. Beautiful way to start the, the game. That is really what I've been missing from Slayton. That connection that him and Jones has is just so obvious. And when it works, it works great. Now, unfortunately, with Darius, he was targeted six times. And again, he contributed to some of those drops that I'm sure you guys all saw Jones at at one point just, you know, lost it. And look, I got to give the guy credit because if that was me, 
it wouldn't have taken me as long as it took him to finally lose it and say, you got to catch the damn ball. Wandale also had two drops. He was targeted eight times, six catches for 50 yards. His longest was 17. Great day from Wandale. I'm loving what I'm seeing from him, and I'm really excited to see him get involved more and more every week. Saquon, of course, as always, used in the receiving game. Four targets, four receptions for 25 yards. Chris Myrick, again, getting the tight ends involved here. And he was involved a little bit more after Bellinger went out with the eye injury, but he was targeted twice, two receptions for 21 yards. David Sills, one target, one reception for 19 yards. Matt Breida, of course, used in the receiving game. One target, one catch for 14 yards. And one thing... Now, I expected to see more of Bellinger, and obviously if he didn't get hurt, I think we would have seen a lot more of him in the rest of the game. But So I wasn't surprised about that. What I am surprised is that we didn't see Richie James a lot, and he is pretty much the wide receiver one right now. Um, Maybe with Robinson back, you know, he's really a number two, but still he was targeted twice and he had one reception for only two yards. So I was surprised by that. I do expect that next week we will probably see more from him. Um, Overall, the receiving game, you know, not terrible. There were 19 receptions for 202 yards and one touchdown. Now, there actually were 29 targets, so a lot of drops. So, you know, I think Jones just needs some help out there from a good receiver. And, you know, when we talk about the Jones and the Marcus Johnson, that ball that was thrown directly in his hands on fourth and one you know you got to catch that and it's just it's really frustrating to watch and like I said I just I cannot believe that it has taken Jones seven weeks to finally get frustrated and visibly show how upsetting it is to him that he's being as accurate as he can and he's making decisions and he's doing everything that he can right and he put the ball right in his hands and he didn't catch it and Marcus Johnson ended up having three targets with zero receptions for zero yards so not a good day for him um Jones said afterwards that he was upset by the way that he reacted because he does have all the faith in Marcus and they have a good connection. And, you know, he was disappointed in himself that he acted out like that. He is probably the only person who's disappointed by that because the only thing that I have seen across social media as a whole is that everyone is wildly happy to see Jones show some sort of emotion, show the frustration of what he's dealing with, that he's got to take the team and put it on his back and run for over 100 yards in order to make some plays. So, Again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I just think Jones is really doing everything he can out here to win and just to prove to everyone that he deserves to be the quarterback next year. And look, whether he's the quarterback for the Giants or not, I would like him to be the quarterback for the Giants next year. If he's not, I think he's showing the league and he's showing fans and people across the nation that he's not a bad quarterback and he can be a good quarterback you know, that coaching really makes a big difference. And, you know, if it's not with the New York Giants, I hope he gets a shot elsewhere because I do actually think that he deserves it. I think that's 
that about covers it on the offense. Let's move over to the defense. Um, These guys had a tough day. They had their work cut out for them. In the end, they made the most important stop of the game, which is something that we continue to say week in and week out, is that the defense is closing the games And they're making the big plays when they need to. Now, they gave up a lot of run yards to Etienne. He ran all over the field. They gave up big plays to Kirk and Jones. But overall, they did the work that needed to be done to get the team a win. Now, they made it harder on themselves. There's no doubt about that. That and the offense did. And look, we can go back to the offense and we can talk about some of the mistakes that were made. We can talk about Saquon when he, you know... Shouldn't have gone out of bounds, and he did. He tried not to, whatever. He was very visibly upset about it after the game, and he said multiple times when asked in the post game that that's a mistake that he made and he needs to be better. And, you know, I think that we're seeing this a lot from the players on the team, and this goes back to the coaching always, is the culture in this building is so different than what it's been the last 10 years. Jones taking responsibility, saying, I could have done more. I shouldn't have reacted like that. I trust Marcus. I shouldn't have said that. You have Barkley saying, I need to be better. That was my mistake. I knew I shouldn't have done that. You have Dable coming out and saying, when someone asked him after the game about Barkley, and I don't know if you guys all listen to these post-game pressers, but I, of course, do. And, you know, someone asked him that, you know, was that Barkley's mistake? He should have known better to do that. And Dable said, it's my mistake. I should have known better. You know, that's on me. And I just the accountability that we're seeing is is really amazing. And it's it's there's no doubt it's doing wonders for the locker room. So anyway, let's go back to the defense because that was a side tangent. But I know people are going to want to talk about the Saquon thing. So I wanted to make sure I covered off on that briefly briefly. Fabian Moreau, who came out of left field, and this is what we talk about when we talk about the coaching. It's next man up. If you get an opportunity to be on the field, you better make the most of it. And Fabian Moreau is doing that week in and week out. Prior to this week, he was leading the league in one of the biggest shutdown corners. And remember when we were all like, we're so worried about the cornerbacks? Um, I'm a little less worried about them now. I would like to see Aaron Robinson back. But when you've got someone like Fabian Moreau in there who just came out of left field and is just being insanely impressive every week, I mean, I don't I don't know what else I could ask for. He led the, him and Julian Love, of course, led the team with nine total tackles. Moreau had seven. Julian Love had five solo tackles. And I can talk about how much I love Julian Love every week in in and out, and I will, but another amazing game for him. I just, I need the Giants to re-sign him now because he really deserves it, and he is a team player, and he is all over the field doing whatever he can, Um, and he recovered the ball on the Jags' turnover. So the Giants were plus one in turnovers this week, too, which is not something that we've seen from them, so... Big game for them, big game for the defense. We got to talk about Adoree Jackson, who we all knew going into this year was going to be cornerback number one. And cornerback number two was obviously which where the concern was. 
Adoree Jackson was incredible yesterday. Seven total tackles, six of them solo. He went out during the game with a concussion. He must have cleared the protocol because before I knew it, he was back on the field and making plays. And again, this team is just fighting till the death. They are doing whatever they can to work as a team to win games. It goes for someone like Adore Jackson, who came back into the game. Thank God he didn't have a concussion. It goes for Saquon, who's very obviously still dealing with some sort of shoulder injury. He had the tape all over his arm yesterday, and he just they're just out there fighting. They just are tough as nails, and I freaking love it. Um, all right, some other guys who helped contribute to success on the defense and to holding the Jags to only 17 points. Tay Crowder, six total tackles. Jalen Smith, four total tackles. McKinney and Thibodeau, Thibodeau both had three. Ward, Dexter Lawrence, Darnay Holmes all had two. And Landon Collins, you guys, he's back. It was great to see him on the field yesterday. Um, overall, this these guys... Crowder, Smith, McKinney, Thibodeau. Thibodeau visibly got held no less than five times and not once there was a single flag. And he still was all over the field. I mean, you got to watch this, the video. He, there's, there's one play where one of the Jags, I think it was one of the running backs, just broke through and had a huge run. And Kayvon comes out of nowhere and runs and tackles him like 15 yards ahead of where he was all the way back by the defensive line. Unbelievable. We are seeing every single one of these guys step up and play the best football that they can. And especially someone like Thibodeau, who's a rookie, who's learning the pace of the game. He obviously came out with incredible talent, but we have seen a lot of guys come out of college with really good talent and they just don't live up to the expectation that everyone had for them, right? Especially for a first round draft pick. So the fact that he is playing as well as he is, and I think I still I saw some things from him yesterday that made me feel like his knee was maybe flaring up a little bit or he, you know, wasn't feeling 100 percent. And the way that he just was so involved with the game and making big plays like that and, you know, making plays when he's getting held left and right, not even getting called is unbelievable. Um, So. And I feel like that kind of covers it when we're talking about the stats in regards to the um, tackles and that kind of thing. A couple other guys I want to call out. We're going to talk about Landon Collins in a second, but Cam Brown with a great tackle. Ryder Anderson was just elevated the day before from the practice squad. He got involved with a tackle. Dane Belton with a tackle. Justin Ellis, Nick Williams, and Quincy Roche. Roche was also elevated from the practice squad. So, you know, It takes everyone and every person got involved. And the only guy on the defense that didn't have a tackle was Leo Williams. But Leo Williams is one of those guys who, like Dexter Lawrence, he is just the two of them work off each other and play off each other and, you know, provide enough pressure that he doesn't need to have 50 tackles. So I I just feel like Leo is a really good intimidating, scary guy on the defensive lineman that just him being there next to Lawrence is enough to scare, if you will. 
the quarterback. Um, so I had a couple other things on the defense that I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about Landon Collins. Landon Collins played 23 snaps. Now, obviously, that was his first game back with the Giants. Expect that to be ramped up every week leading in. He made a big play on one of the screen passes to Etienne. So right away, you're seeing the impact that someone like Landon Collins has being back in the building. And I know a lot of us are Giants fans are super happy he's back. And to see him make plays like that one week and only 23 snaps is impressive. Love McKinney Moreau played all 70 snaps Thibodeau played 63, and then Wink lowered the snap count for Dexter Lawrence a little bit. He played 50 snaps. But, you know, when you see guys like Love, McKinney, and Moreau playing all 70 snaps, they're all over the field. They're involved in every play. That's why they play all 70 snaps, and that's – they deserve it, you know? Um Okay, let's get to a couple more stats here. So Leah Williams ha- and Dexter Lawrence both had three pressures. And this is what I mean when I say that I don't need Leah Williams to get 50 tackles in order to prove to me that he's making a difference being on that field versus being on the sidelines. There's no doubt about it. He is. There were six total missed tackles. Moreau got credited with two of them. Crowder got credited with two of them. Moreau on 12 targets had seven receptions and then Adoree Jackson on eight targets allowed four receptions. Um, The last thing I want to touch on here uh, in regards to the stats is that Tyree Phillips was thrown in when Evan Neal went down and he allowed four pressures, but Jones was only sacked once, which is a lot less. And we've seen in the last few games. And, you know, with someone like Neil being out, who has been so impressive every week, except for the one Cowboys game where he had a tough, a tough game. Um, the fact that Jones only got sacked losing, having lost two linemen shows the next man up mentality is the most important thing in that locker room. And not only that, it's not only next man up, it's you're getting the chance to play. You better perform. And these guys are. And I just, I just love it. It's just really exciting to watch. I mean, the last two minutes of every game have been wildly stressful, but outside of that, it's been fun to watch and to see how much every single guy on this team is improving. Um, Let's talk about, we're going to get into special teams now, and then we are going to get into the injuries briefly. So Richie James was used on one of the punt returns. Uh, He only ran for two yards. So, um, you know, I I still want to see more from special teams. I would have liked to see Gary Brightwell back there, especially the success that he had last week with that 47-yard return. I hope he gets involved more in the game next week. Graham Gano is Graham Gano, perfection as always. He went three for three on field goals. The longest was 34 yards, and then he went two for two on extra points. 11 total points for Graham yesterday. And on that last kick to get them up to 23 points, one of the guys on the Jags got his hand on it. So can you imagine how strong 
Gano's leg is in order to still kick that ball through after he got a hand on it. I mean, we might have been having a different conversation today if that didn't go through. Although the defense stepped up where they need to step up and they stopped Kirk at the one yard line again during the most stressful minute of probably everyone's lives. Um, last up, let's talk about Jamie Gillen. So he had two punts for 80 yards, one touchback, um, and his longest was 46 yards. So to me, with special teams, the biggest concern still is the tackling. We are still allowing some longer runs and these guys not being tackled where they need to be tackled. So I want to see that improve. I will say that there's no doubt that they have improved considering where they were early on in the season. And Thomas McGahee is a really great coach. So I'm not really worried about them. I just want to see it continue to improve. And I would like to see more from Cam Brown. He is an excellent special teams player and he has done really well for a us in the past, and I just hope that he is the one that can be out there leading the tackles on special teams because we're going to need that from him. So last up here, let's talk about the injuries. So obviously, we touched briefly on Neil and Bellinger. So Neil, what the thought is right now is that it could be a sprained MCL. Now, he will get testing done today. And I believe that Dable might speak to the media later today. So we might have an update on what happened with Neil and what the timeline is going to look like. Now, Dable historically does not tell us a lot, but if it is a sprained MCL, he probably will confirm that. Um, What he will likely not do is give us a timeline. So I think if anything, he will say that he will probably be out a few weeks and he will just let us know when he's ready to practice again. So what we have seen from guys on our team specifically who have dealt with sprained MCLs is they have been out anywhere from three to five weeks. So the good news for Neil is that he's going to have an extra week in the bye to relax. So hopefully and get rehab and all of that kind of stuff done. So hopefully that is going to lend itself to being a positive that we do have the bye coming up so quickly. And hopefully, you know, we'll get him back in time for Dallas, which is really when we're going to need him because that would be a wonderful revenge game for him. Next up, Ben Bredesen left the game with a knee injury and Zudu stepped in for him. And I have to say, you know, something that impressed me is that once Bredesen was gone, who was playing pretty well, and Zudu stepped in, you didn't notice a huge difference. And that is what we want to see from, you know, some of the guys who maybe weren't drafted in the first round or who kind of came out of nowhere left and right. is like when these guys are on the field, they're going to produce someone like David Sills, one catch for 19 yards. That's what we need from every single guy on this 53-man roster. So there's been no update with Bredesen. They did say it was some sort of knee injury yesterday. I am not sure as to how or why there was some speculation or thinking that Neil could be MCL, but nothing about Bredesen. So I don't really know what the deal is on that. But as always, I will keep you guys posted as soon as I hear more on injuries. So make sure you're following me on Instagram and TikTok at New York Giants Fangirl. I update stories and posts daily. So you guys can all be in the mix on injuries and all of that kind of stuff. And last up is Bellinger. So the last thing that I saw last night was Tom Rock, I believe, was the one who said that it looks like Bellinger might need eye surgery. 
he there's been no real diagnosis. Now, he did go to the hospital during the game yesterday. He was back in the locker room by the time the game was over. Um, and what Dable said post game is that honestly, his eye looked terrible. So it was bleeding and it looked like his eye was a little black and blue when he was leaving the game. He was able to fly back with the team. And then today he is meeting with an ophthalmologist in New York. So I am hoping that same with Bredesen and Neil, we will have some sort of update today on Bellinger. And I just hope that he's okay. That was very scary looking. And, you know, from what I've heard too, it seems like his vision is okay, which is amazing. But, um, you know, obviously we hope that he doesn't have to get surgery and that it at the worst, maybe is some sort of irritated or scratched cornea, which I have dealt with myself and it's not fun, but you can treat it with drops and things like that and you don't have to get surgery. So let's all keep our fingers crossed for all three of these guys, Neil Bredesen and Bellinger, that they are all going to come back and be okay. Um, last up again briefly is Adoree Jackson, who left the game with some sort of, I guess they thought it was a concussion, but he must have passed concussion protocol. We obviously know how strict that has been the last few weeks, but he passed and he was able to come back in. So overall, guys, it was, for me, it was a telling game, I think. You know, we have seen this team fight till the death every game leading up until this point, but, you know, the Giants were underdogs going into this week. Um, I do think that your record reflects your team. At the end of the day, you could say the Giants are the worst six and one team in the league, but, and, you know, they shouldn't have been underdogs against the Jags who lost the last three. The Jags are not a bad team. I mean, they played really well against the Giants and they have not played horribly this year. At the end of the day, it comes down to being consistent and to closing out the games. And that's what the Giants defense did. And we need that from them week in and week out. But we also need the team to not get them in the position that they were in yesterday, where it's down to the last second. Now, we can also talk about the flags and the non-calls and the BS calls that were made during that last drive. Look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. The refing is horrendous, and obviously it does impact the game in ways that it shouldn't. But, you know, to some degree, you can't blame the refs, right? Like, the Giants need to not get themselves in that position. And that's exactly what Dable said. At the end of the day, we shouldn't have been in that position where it came down to over a minute left on the clock, letting them run down the field, us making bad decisions, making bad plays, whatever it is. It can't come down to that. So anyway, I'm over 30 minutes in, so I am going to wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at New York Giants Fangirl. I keep you updated there with stories and posts and all sorts of fun stuff, Q&As, that kind of thing. So if you want more New York Giants content from me, make sure you check me out there. Thank you so much for listening to the Everything New York Giants podcast. You can rate, review, and subscribe if you like it. And if you love it, please share with a friend. Thanks.